All right, let's do this. Hi, this is uh, Julian here with episode number 11 of the Resilient Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here with Anna today, and it's a little bit noisy in our background. Uh, not much we can do about it. It's, uh, I don't even know, part of the rice harvesting season or something like that. And this super old diesel generator is running here in our back. Uh, hopefully, it's going to stop at some point. But he's going to keep coming back every few minutes. It's going to get a little bit louder, so we're going to stay really close to the mic. Um, what I'm trying to do this week, um, before we get to Anna and the introduction, is I want to give you all the information you need to make your business more future-proof, to maybe become a digital nomad, to become more decentralized in your business practices, use more technology, be more digital, and therefore be more resilient as a business, um, maybe coming out of this very strange time with having the virus and everything else. And uh, that's why I invited Anna who is exactly a specialist on how to run a company remotely. Yes. Please introduce yourself and thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Julian. My name is Anna Shalina. I'm originally from Ukraine, grew up in South Africa, live in beautiful Bali at the moment. So a little bit of a global lifestyle and I've been running global teams and global companies for five years now. Mm -hmm. And so the ins and outs of remote teams, uh, dispersed teams across time zones, across cultures, and uh, yeah, now we're seeing a really interesting kind of time that's happening. And my favorite word has been future-proof for a few years now. And now everyone's using it. So it's kind of very Because now is the future. Now right? we are. Now is the future. Not only is now the future, but we're also creating the future for the next generation for how we work in the future. Yeah. How we're reacting and what we're building as a response to what we're seeing is going to determine how people work in the future. So we have a giant responsibility to create it intentionally, consciously, and like intelligently. Because <laughs> yeah. there's like people making not so intelligent decisions in like times of stress. And so it's like about how to make these intelligent decisions for intelligent decisions for the future. Yeah, because let's let's sum one thing up and I think all of us we're here on Bali, one of the things we all agree on is that sitting in an office, spending two or three hours a day on commute to go to your office. Um, is a massive waste of resources, of time, of energy. You're going to be stressed out by the time you make it to the office. Most meetings are useless anyway. Yep. And offices cost money. I mean, for me, a big difference a year ago, I spent 25,000 euros a month on office rental, wow. which I don't have anymore. Right? I can spend a lot of money on coffee on Bali just wow. to compensate for that. So what people are afraid of is once I go decentralized, I have a dispersed team. How do I make sure that people are still working? Is mm. remote working for everybody or do you screen already the right people in the process who can handle it or not? Mm, such a good question. So it is a, it's a test. It's a bit of a test to see if people can transition. So if you had a fully in-office team and now it's going to be decentralized, um, it's going to be a test of also your values, what your company stands for, and how tied your employees are to those values. So it's almost like a stress test, almost like, you know, when you've built all these and you know your why and you know all these things, it's like, how strong are those bonds and those values and the, the foundations that you build in your business now that you don't have a physical grip and grasp on, on everyone? So that's one. Um, I think it's an opportunity to see it as a stress test, really. Yeah. And if the people who are who fall away fall away, that's also okay. You know, then you'll be able to replace it with talent that's more suited to a remote working environment, and that's okay. Yeah. And but yeah. these are people generally you, you you start working in an office and then they go out into their home office, or do yeah. you also build teams that were always a home office, right? They've never really worked together in one place. 
That's interesting because now I'm seeing more where they were a office team and are now becoming remote. A lot of the businesses that I've built were remote from the get-go. So deliverables were very clear. Expectations were very clear. Um, communication styles were very clear. The one thing that I know strongly about remote teams is that communication uh, needs to be like doubled and tripled a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's not about micromanaging, but it's about helping people still feel part of a, um, a team, right? And part of something bigger than them. Because yes, at first, if you've never worked from home, this is your first opportunity to work from home and you're still getting paid, you're like, great. You know, I'm gonna be able to work whenever I want. Nobody can see if I'm Netflixing or doing whatever else or, or working. And then you start seeing that that can be like a slippery slope for yourself or your team members. And, you know, starting to have to manage that and see like, you know, in terms of like what communication do we need, what meetings and online meetings do we have. Right now I'm helping companies implement something called the power hour. Okay. So we're at the beginning of the workday. It doesn't matter where we are. We all set and set an intention for the next hour of work. And we are actually just online together and we're working online on our own thing. And again, it's not about micromanaging. It's about feeling supported and productive. And if yeah. I need to ask for help, I can ask for help. Walking away from this power hour, I, I'm free to work on continue working, but I'm feeling that you know, role of energy and that support in the team and the camaraderie almost. Okay. So you literally, you get your people together, not just for a meeting, but it's like, it's, it's, it's joint work time. Yeah. If I understand correctly. Yeah. And you're working like you're in an office, but everybody works on their separate projects, but might communicate more intensely what they're actually working on yeah. and using the time to get feedback. Yeah, okay. exactly. And just like powering in that productivity. So that's a tool that, that some companies are using. Um, really understanding people's motivation, like your team's motivations of why they are in this company. Is it just for the money, for example? Yeah. You know, it's like, and if it is, maybe you have the wrong person and stuff like that. Um, and really kind of like, this is an opportunity to find people who are like either identify that they truly align with your company's mission yeah. and values and vision and all these things, or if they're there for the money. And um, so, you know, checking in is like, you know, what is important to you as an employee? And like, why would you want to do well as a remote worker here? Like, you know, how does this flexibility serve you? How doesn't it serve you? What could go wrong? Like, do, I, do you have like kids that are going to stress you out and that's going to like interfere with your work? Like I, as a performance coach in a company, like I want to understand what could impair someone's yeah. performance as an employee and also what could enhance it. But this also means that, that you see that there is a position on just, just interpreting um, that pretty much is in charge of motivating and managing the team. So which for me always was difficult, right? Because I still had a job, right? I still I was a fundraiser. I still had to be in charge of accounting. I still had to travel a lot. I was in different time zones. So I, I can handhold to a certain extent, right? I always yeah. said, well, you have to hear like, what are people's needs and desires? I'm like, well, if I'm barely able to sleep and I have like totally overbooked, it gets very difficult to honestly yeah. care about other people's needs and desires. So yeah. do you still have a job or do you think that like as a manager working remote teams, that's that's pretty much a full-time job already? I am biased because I've seen how well it works, but I have seen that a dedicated person that's there for the performance of the team and then so that the CEO, the leader can do his job and still sleep and see his family kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, to have that role, whether it's just the COO, for example, or someone else on the leadership team, or you have a dedicated performance expert, 
um, there, I'm seeing more of an uptake there. And I think it's a trend, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, it's going to go up because um, I think working environments are going to be constantly changing, yeah. which means we do have to check in with people. And underestimating how much time and systems it takes to like get the most out of people because people have performance and then they'll have potential. And if you have a full-time job of fundraising and all the other pieces, like, like getting that distance between performance and potential can be nearly impossible. And so, um, you can do a calculation and say like, you know, if our performance like translates to cash flow, could be like, 10x or like or like 15% more how much that would that add to the bottom line and then it makes sense to like actually hire a professional or get kind of consulting for example that will help you get that value from your team for me it would make perfectly sense I mean say I mean that doesn't necessarily need to be a full-time job right if you say no. you have this power hours you have a person that is a point person again that's something that can be done remotely generally you know it doesn't yeah. shouldn't be sitting in the office so also can share that between multiple companies. I yes. think it's going to get very important because just simply from my experience of, of having remote teams in many offices, um, even if you check for people that are self-motivated, that yeah. obviously is always the most important thing. But to yeah. be honest, that's the most important thing, no matter if they sit in an office yeah. or not, because if they're not self-motivated, if you're sitting in an office, it's just easier to hide that you're not doing anything. Um, but self-motivation simply is the only thing that will get people uh, to be, you know, ambitious and get things done in their job. Yeah. Um, but uh, even if their people are already self-motivated, it is just tough to kind of stay on top of it and, and really check in with them and, and listen to them. So yeah. um, I think that actually might be another thing, probably, in, especially in Germany, nobody's ever heard about that, but having like a motivational manager or... A performance coach. Performance coach within the company that checks yeah. in if everybody feels well and has the tools needed to, to perform, right? That's... Yes, exactly. And, you know, small things like right now, the teams that I'm working in, I'm making sure that they're doing things like meditations and they're looking after their health and stuff like that. You know, like at, the, at most of the time, like we expect people to do that for themselves. However, in times of stress or a giant disruption, people forget yeah. to do the basics even for themselves. And then because as leaders we have so much on our plates anyways we're not going to go checking and stuff like that but it can make such a difference to like the team morale the vibration like personally and collectively and and how how much you can capitalize on opportunities yeah. you know and the creativity that can come from people when you when they're not stressed yeah for example so there's yeah but like i said i'm biased because that's what, we that's like what to you do. do but again i mean I, I think we're talking about the workplace of the future and the future is now and um i think we all agree that are running companies that our efficiencies are low and, and hr is one of the one of our biggest costs uh, definitely to hire people payroll and many more people not just me feel that we don't get a lot of performance out of it but it's like yeah. maybe at the very beginning but it usually kind of drops rather quickly yeah. And the question is, how can you stop that, especially in industries where you need a lot of training, like in mine, where it takes us a year to get somebody really ready to do the job. Yeah. And then if they're already unmotivated at that point, then obviously a big loss. We can just you know let them go and replace them. Yeah. So when you start the process, let's say I come to you and say, listen, I, I suck at this, right? Like I've done personally. That's how we met. Yeah. Um, how do I start building a remote team if I've never done that before? If you already have a team? If, if let's say you have an existing company, but I said, yeah. I want to 
you know, I'm going to keep that company as my back office, but in the future, I want to do everything on a contract basis. I want to do everything remotely. I, don't, I want to be prepared for the next virus. Okay, perfect. So you start with your leadership team. So start from the top and, mm -hmm. you know, you and whoever is your leadership team uh, currently, but then also who do you want your leadership team to be remotely and, you know, make sure all of those areas are covered. And um, so that's probably the most important thing in terms of like, you know, um, having the leaders on board with the future workplace. That's um, and who specifically is it? Three people, four people, five people, and who they are, and then like basically a strategy. I find still a lot of people, whether remotely or in office, are hiring very reactively. It's like, oh crap, we need this person or the salesperson yeah. or this engineer or something, and um, and so one of the biggest things is actually thinking strategically about the future and who needs to be on the leadership team all the way down to the admin roles yeah. and if you want to be paying three dollars an hour to admin roles that's possible do you know what i mean and you can like really like break it down um some people have something against that and they want to be paying european kind of hourly so it all depends per company mm -hmm. so the strategy is most important and then um in terms of like what's the what's the vision like the bigger vision because the the kind of the difficulty with having more remote teams is that if they're not plugged into the vision of the company, it's easy for them to just like lose touch because yeah. they're not there physically, right? And so to like reiterate and like know, and I know you have a giant vision, which is like so inspiring, but I find that a lot of people lose touch with their own vision as entrepreneurs over time. Yeah. And so it's um, super important to like lock into that and see like, are we still on board? Is it still the vision? Is it still the most important thing that we can do and the biggest thing that we can do? And how do we then get our employees and our team on board with this vision? And you really, especially people like the future workforce wants to feel like they're creating something, yeah. like they're building something, like they're part of something, right? Like um, it's no longer the factory setting kind of workforce. And so it becomes like, this is why it's like, you know, if you can ha if you have someone like super motivated at the beginning and then a year later, they're not so motivated. I think it's a huge loss not having a professional to find out like why you're not motivated. Like yeah. what changed? Like, is it a personal thing? Is it a company thing? Is it a bit of both? Because you are then missing out on all your investments basically, yeah. you know? So how do you get people closer to your company vision? I mean, like I'm, I'm an old guy, right? We used to do that, you know, I, the way how we shared information was I literally would talk to everybody, right? And yeah. I would sit down with every new employee that would come in and we'd talk about it and I would do a presentation and say, this is where we want to be and then I would invite them to dinner. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm so old school when it comes to this, even though I'm a nomad for 25 years, but every single night I was in a different office, I took out my staff for dinner. Okay. Everybody, including every secretary, every admin person that was there in that office had the invite to personally go out for dinner and that then would be my chance again to, you know, get the vision into people's heads and also listen back what was going on. Uh, I'm not always saying that they worked incredibly well, uh, except for gaining a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> but it gave me the illusion that people still at least had access to the vision and, and they yeah. gave us a chance to grow. If you don't have that option anymore, let's say your management is really removed from your staff members, what do you do to get the vision into people and give them that sense of belonging into the company? Mm, such a good question. One one of my favorite things is when I ask people like, what do you think that you're doing here? 
and see what they say back. And so the first thing is always to like assert, like survey where people are at. Like, what do you think you're doing here? What do you think we're doing here? What is the vision? Yeah. And see how close or far you are. And you can do this like on, over the phone, obviously, you know, but see how far or close you are with what you think your, your people think. Because I have found that there is a big difference between like, you know, I know what we're doing and I'm sure everyone knows what, what we're doing. And then you kind of like get to a point of stress and then it, it all kind of falls apart. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's almost like there's different exercises. One is uh, like on the leadership team, having different people lead the vision exercises and even if they're remote mm -hmm. and seeing kind of like what interpretations happen around it. And like, yeah. so it's not just like, I'm the leader and this is the vision, but this is everyone's vision and how does everyone interpret it and then want to pass it on and share it. Yeah. I like to instill the belief that everyone in the company is a salesperson. Yeah. Like everyone's a salesperson. I don't care if you're doing the admin for $3 an hour kind of thing, you know? And so I want to treat everyone in my team like a salesperson and if i'm like working with a salesperson i want to make sure that the salesperson understands what they're selling yeah all right so um there's certain exercises and stuff like that that we do for that to like really instill that ownership and mm -hmm. people around that vision and what they're doing and um and like consistency i think is probably the biggest thing and having um consistent and mandatory kind of meetings and check-ins and and um like the communication like in a virtual team compared to an in-house team is like two or three X for sure. Yeah. So you say generally like the, the further you're apart, the less you see each other, the need for communication goes up. Yeah. Not down. Yes. Okay. Very interesting point. So, but obviously also if you don't spend two, three hours a day in the car, you have a lot more time and a lot more nerves for that. Yes. Um, I'm really at a point in my career where I, I just literally have to say that I, I don't even like having larger numbers of staff anymore. Yeah. Because it always, most of the time, at least in my experience, it gets very disappointing, right? I always hire people. I'm very positive with this high hopes. And then if you now look back and how few of them actually have delivered, you know, vaguely to the level that that we were hoping for. It's a little bit um, disheartening at times, but um, this is why we're here to figure out how to do it better. So I also look at the consequences that are in place and the consequences are uh, should be in place for any kind of team member, but it can get a little bit gray and uncertain and unclear when it comes to remote teams. And that's where people really have to, for themselves, to like stay motivated, know what are the consequences of me not performing yeah you know and there needs to be systems in place to make sure that there's still either a warning system or like a communication system or like what went wrong and, and stuff like that so like consequences are enforced um like proactively yeah. and not like a year later it's like oh this person didn't perform for a year like what happened yeah, but it's, it's like, kind of over anyway right yeah. um what, what tools do you use any specific software or to just keep people on track. We use Asana, for example, for project management. Yeah. It's always great when we introduce it the first six to eight weeks, everybody's super excited to find everything in one place and then it just kind of dies down over time as people go back into their, their old habits. It usually dies down because there's no one, um, the person in charge of yeah. the thing is usually not enforcing it. And so again, if 
the leader doesn't want to be the person that keeps up the habit, then someone like a COO or some operations manager like needs to be the one that's enforcing it. Yeah. And um, I mean, like some tools, even like Google Sheets, right? And like I have a company that I was advising where they um, they have just an open Google Sheet and they have their own deliverables that they type in there. Okay. And you can you, like you can use Asana, you can use Google Sheets. I think. Zoom at the moment is printing money. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the must-have. If you haven't used Zoom before, it's like the standard of video conferencing. Printing out money. There. It's, it's, it's huge. It's so much better than, I mean, just forget. If, if you go with a professional meeting these days, say, let's use Skype uh, or, or FaceTime, you already kind of look like you're, again, you know, totally outdated. So yeah. Zoom is definitely the place to be, and it's not that expensive to have your own company set up on that thing. No. But it, it's probably the best video conference solution out there right now, right? Yeah, right now it is, and I'm telling you, they're making, they're like swimming in cash. It's going to be the future. The other company is actually general is called Team Viewer, which yeah. is the remote access uh, software to your to your yep. desktop. But yep, again, a lot of people that. are not using. If you need to access your home desktop, your office desktop is very easy. Install a piece of software called Team Viewer. Yes. Download it on your phone or on your on your laptop, and you have access to it. Uh, it's pretty secure. Obviously, you know, secure data channels, VPN, everything could be safer. But it works pretty well. It's very easy. It doesn't cost a lot of money, and it's just a very simple way to be able to access your computer from anywhere. It works really, really well at this point. I'm still surprised how few people are using it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like with all the kind of like technicalities in the software, I also like to take this time to remind people to like come back to like um, like the softer skills for themselves mm -hmm. as well and for each person in the team to tap into their own intelligence software, if that makes sense, uh, be it like a self-practice, meditation, or physical, and you know, keeping fit and stuff like that, whatever keeps yourself like motivated, yeah. uh, super important, and it's super easy to kind of like lose it. Yeah. And um, because, yeah, a lot of the time we're talking about technologies, but we also have the, the softer skills that of balancing that and so how, how we work is like 50 50 soft skills and hard skills again a big difference if you work in a place like bali and i see that for a lot of people who do work here um you still have time to do a lot of other things like meditation sports going to the beach all this kind of things um i think the foundation of working at home and being self-motivated is also being rested yes feeling good about yourself and being focused so if you're already all frazzled and you're run down by all this information, doing far too much and you're not sleeping and you're not exercising, you're not meditating or whatever your, your things are that kind of keeps your mind in focus, yeah. it's going to get yeah. very difficult to kind of stay on top of your own work schedule. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, we have these devices, right? And they're quite addicting. And Netflix is designed to be addictive, right? Yeah. And social media is designed to... Um, like be addictive and to numb us and distract us from what's most important yeah. and this is like why having a form of self-discipline and self-practice whether you're the leader or wherever you are in the chain is so important because everything around you is going to want to distract you from yes. what's most important and the nice thing the interesting thing about what's going on now is that if you over deliver, if you're a remote employee and you're like a little frazzled and you're not sure what the future is, 
if you over deliver in this time, your future will be secure. I don't care where you're working, how you're working. This is not the time to under deliver and feel confused and not sure. Take a moment to feel confused and not sure. That's fine. Have an afternoon or you know whatever you need to do to process what's going on if, if something is coming up for you but at the end of the day remind yourself like the basic principles of building a business and building a career is like to over deliver yeah. and um and like i'm finding out uh, there's a lot of memes about like self-quarantine and day two and it's my eighth bottle of wine and like you know all these different games and everything and it's funny it, it is funny but I, if I you're a boss, people... I totally get it. I mean, it's, it's like I, I would be looking right now. Let's say if I still had a 200 staff members yeah. and you're on my payroll, I would be looking for a reason to cut you right now. Uh-huh. And if I can see on, on social media, you know, we, we both are a little bit critical of Instagram, but also we're both highly active on Instagram and yeah. other social media channels. Um, it's not a conflict in itself. Um, but, you know, if, if as you say, this is not the time to slack. This is the it's time to the time. step up because... You know, there are going to be so many people cut and losing their jobs in the next few months. I think uh, the Western world is not prepared for that. So no. if you give a reason right now to be let go um, yeah. out of an existing team, you'll probably be cut. So I, I agree 100% on that. And look, it's a, it's a hard reality. I've personally been fired a few times from a job, which was so warranted, and I was in the wrong job. Hmm. <laughs> so um, I know how hard that can be in the moment. But then I also know how pivotal it is to then look like, okay, if I wasn't all that motivated in this job, then what is it that I'm truly inspired by? What do I want to do? How do I want to contribute to the world? And which companies maybe do I want to contribute in the world? There's people, there's going to be companies who are going to be hiring masses, you know, and like I'm already seeing threads of like, you know, people who are being let go and then people who are hiring. So there's always a flow of energy, there's a flow of cash, there's a flow of jobs. And the more stuck you feel to your job, the more likely, and uh, like, not likely, but there's a high chance that this addiction to your job might be broken. Mm -hmm. Which means it's like, it's an opportunity to evolve and you'll look back at it for sure in a few months time, a few years time, say that was the best opportunity I've ever been given. The time it can be really stressful, right? And so um, to almost be proactive about it and see, like, you know, what are my inspirations? What do I love to do? And maybe how can I do that in a way, um, yeah, that adds value. Basically, this is the time to add value and to solve problems. I I, I think is it's it's going to be the time for massive change. We have two yeah. things uh, I cannot imagine. One we discussed yesterday. One we discussing today. I don't see 20 years from now people spending their entire free time on the weekend spending it at Walmart doing grocery shopping. I find that the biggest waste of time you can ever have. I also, from my. so much fun. What are you talking about? For men, it's like purgatory. I hate it. I just hate The only thing I hate more than clothes shopping is grocery shopping. I don't mind buying my fruits, it takes five minutes. I don't mind doing, but generally, like the big shopping trip, I find a massive waste of time. And I just despise the whole idea of it. The second thing is, you know, just after having 200 employees last year and spending so much money on offices, and it's not just the office space. You spend, you know, you have to upkeep the whole thing. You have to paint it. You have to decorate it. You know, you need to put chairs in it. It's supposed to look nice. It used to be corporate identity. Um, plus all the stress of living in a place like in L.A. where you have to pay three times as much for your rent for a mm. shitty place. Yeah. It is a waste. It's a waste yeah. of resources, of time, of money, of energy, and what limited time we have on this planet. 
and, and they just don't see that 20 years from now, we still be going to be doing it. We're going to be looking back and say, listen, really people sat in an office, cramped down. They were competing for this little pieces of real estate in downtown New York and spent $5,000 for a studio. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I think, honestly, what we're doing out here is, is going to be the future. People are going to be living in places where they actually enjoy living. Yeah. Where they have quality of life, where they can bring their families or they have a family. I don't want to be in a boxed apartment anymore. I got, I got a little child, right? I don't want to be in a in a little boxed up apartment. I think things will drastically change and especially to my German listeners who honestly never thought about this and pretty much just made fun of me the last twenty five years if I'm quite honest about yeah. what we're doing. It's like listen to this because it doesn't make sense and it's not where your audience is gonna be anymore, it's not where you're gonna reach your customers, it's not where you're gonna find your motivated staff. They're not willing to be sitting in an overpriced shithole for the next few years and wasting their time in traffic, right? So I think it is time for massive change. And I'd like to share this, that before I do what I do now remotely, I thought it was impossible. I thought that I had to be there in person because of my amazing personality and the energy that that's transferred yeah. between you and I. And like, I thought I had to do the actual facilitation and then the sales in person. And I remember I had a mentor and coach at the time who said to me, Anna, this is simply new, a new skill. For yeah. you to be able to facilitate and coach and train on Zoom or whatever, for you to do the sales calls virtually over the phone, it's just a new skill. And I remember it feeling so impossible because I was so stuck to what I was doing in person and it just felt like there's no ways I could make do the same results and get the same impact, mm-hmm. um, like virtually. And what I found, which is like amazing, is over time now, I actually prefer virtual so much because it's so to the point I get three times more done in the 20 minutes that I have with someone than if I had to like rock up somewhere. Do you want some tea? How's your blah, blah, blah? Like all this like fluff, you know, like that's one big, big kind of like a thing that I've seen in my own business that's worked so well. It's like you remove the fluff and you get down to the business kind of thing and, and you're not spending time on commutes and all these kind of things so and I think it's honest I mean it's you like, get you get much more honest results I mean for me the great example was uh, working in my office in Los Angeles was a big open office space in downtown LA and I always felt super busy right because I was continuously talking to people you know opening new doors making new contact I was exhausted by the end of the day because I was talking from 8 a.m. till midnight did I really get anything done in that time? I mean, I really, it was entertaining and I felt humor because everyone wanted to talk to me and I had, you know, met interesting people. But yeah. we got so little done in that yeah. time. And there's such a big difference between just being busy mm-hmm. and getting shit done. And I feel like if, if I'm honest and I say, let's set a deadline, like I want this thing to be sent by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I might even think maybe they might be able to do, to do more, but I just want to, you know, keep the expectations rather low. I'll see at the end of the day if it's done or not. And I don't get distracted with all the other things that might otherwise come with it that may drain my energy, right? I'm also somebody who's very energetic with people. So if I have to like talk to people 12 hours at the coffee maker and everything else, I'm tired by the end of the day, right? So, but it's not efficient. It's not bringing your business forward. It's an illusion. It's just keeping busy over getting things done. Yep, exactly. And this way we can be really honest with ourselves and with our teams and, um, 
and like you say, like the honesty factor, the efficiencies that come out of all of these. But like I can see the resistance that's coming up now with people because I had that exact same resistance before. And to recognize it's a new skill and you're going to find so many benefits on the other side of the resistance. So you, like have, to, you distance, have to really learn it. Sit down and say, do you yeah. teach a class on, on how to become a re remote coach or a, a performance coach, a for, performance remote, coach for, for remote, remote companies? Yeah. You have a class on that? Yeah. Well, what's your website? Yeah, akunax.com. But if you want for the remote course, then just um, DM Cast. me or something like that. Absolutely. What's yeah. your Instagram again? Anna Shalina. Anna Shalina. Also, yeah. you can, of course, reach me and we're going to pass it on, you know, very happily. I think that's that's super important to know. Yeah. Um, it's actually why it's... Um, it's quite new. It's in the last two weeks that I've been seeing the all the remote stuff happening. And I've been coaching coaches to do what I do for a little bit, but more on the side, as an aside. Yeah. And then I was like, this is a giant opportunity. Everyone's going to need a performance coach in their remote team because um, number one, as an entrepreneur, I hope you're enjoying your life and you're not like, you know, stuck to your desk. And if you are, then you love your desk <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, or you're doing something to change that. And um, and if like, like as, you know, a leader of my own company, I want to have someone who's in charge of my company's people, yeah. you know, and their performance. Like, I don't want to be stuck to that. Like, I'm an entrepreneur for a reason. So it's, it might be simply something to try out, you know, sign up for, for a course. Yeah. Uh, you're going to teach these people like, how to do it. You're stuck probably at home anyway. So take a month and say, listen, you know, starting next uh, Wednesday, I'm going to be, you know, doing online performance reviews and we're simply gonna try it out as a team. Admit to everybody that it's new, if you have never done this yeah. before. Um, I said, I've been traveling for 25 years. I, I just, I don't even have a laptop, right? I do everything for my mobile phone. That's, wow. that's how mobile I am at this point. Um, so we have gotten used to it, but also not all of it has worked. So you might be able to skip some of the mistakes yeah. that I've made in the past trying to figure it out and, and get exactly to that point where you, might even find out like with so many things in life that you're going to be happier and, and it's going to be cheaper and much more effective than what we have learned in the past because so far i don't know if you go to university nobody teaches you how to work in no. the office of the works they, they they teach you skills but nobody really knows how to get shit done <laughs> it's fascinating and you know school the school systems are changing now the university systems are changing now because um the institutions have less power, right? Let's be real. Like we can be more smart about uh, where we get our information and data from, who we learn from, and how do we optimize our own performance, the people around us, how to understand people's mindset. Uh, so uh, traditionally, like, you know, I come from like a human behavior specialist background. So like that's how I got really interested into like what makes people do really well at their job. Yeah. And especially like remotely, mm -hmm. you know, and then how to like get all that going and everything. And um, it's so untapped. There's so many opportunities. I'm going to share one tool that I use and it's actually free in my day to day work. And I'm not sure if that's like encouraged by the way you work. But I found actually that the way I work because I, I just work on a phone. Right? For me, after I don't have a laptop. I, I don't have an office. Um, I do everything. Um, I have a lot of time for my family. I have a lot of things to do. But I'm also I'm reachable 24-7. Wow. But I'm never in one place, you know, at the same time. I never sit down really for office hours. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, but for them, highly responsive when things need to get done. So when we have, let's say, I set a new goal to do, I do something, I create a new WhatsApp group. Uh-huh. Right? And so every challenge has a WhatsApp group, and I add everybody in that group to solve that problem. 
And so I can literally, if I'm awake three o'clock in the morning, I, I stay up very late, I can dump everything I need into that group, all the documents, everything else, and define very clearly with one point person or two point person or whoever I need some stuff to do it done, what are the next steps to solve that problem? Oh. And so it helps me a lot because I see that group stays active and the problem is not solved yet, right? And oh. it keeps popping up, even if I don't read every single message, the group will kind of go back to the top of the pile. If their group disappears, there are two options. Either it never got done yeah. and people gave up because yeah. they didn't report or it got solved. So yeah. if I have like time in the middle of the night, I just scroll through the last, and I have I think 380 WhatsApp groups, right? Wow. I just scroll through my groups and say, listen, well, what happened to this thing? It's like a reminder for myself. And then I see kind of what's the last message. And it either means the problem is solved and it's done, or I have now every kind of proof to go back and say, listen, I gave you this task and this task and this task two weeks ago, and mm -hmm. it's still in this group, it has not been answered. What the hell is going on? And I push the group back on top of the pile and so we always have an automatic prioritization or prioritizing yeah. of the issues that I want to solve. And it wow. makes me define them very precisely. So we need to do one government grant, and for that we need this input, that input, that input, add all these four people, and if it's done and send off, that yeah. group dies. We never even underestimate it. But it's for me, I find that. That's it, it's incredibly effective. It works better than Slack or anything else. So you must understand that Bali is the future when it comes to WhatsApp groups. Like yeah. nowhere else in the world is it as um, active and as used as like in the East here, I think. I, I think so. we do everything. If people don't know that WhatsApp is a service now owned by Facebook, um, it's a smart chat yeah. uh, option, but also allows you very easy to share all different kind of files of its PDFs, its Word documents, of its pictures. Um, very easy to tag people in it if you want something to do. Yeah. And. Um, so they're like, I don't know, one point something, building people on that thing now. And we organize our entire life here basically on WhatsApp. Like our entire life is kind of compartmentalized in my group for breath work and my group for playing football and my group for socializing and my entrepreneur group. I'm probably connected to about 1,000 people via different Facebook groups in Changu alone. Changu is a small village and that's all via WhatsApp. Wow. And it's, it's super active. It's, 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 it's like a life communication with everybody in your network amazing for a lot of the teams i usually because so a lot of my teams are in the u.s and they're not so much on whatsapp so also it depends for me it depends um on the team's current behavior yeah. and what's already kind of like low hanging fruit and optimized and so i've used a lot of facebook messenger groups so the groups that you create a messenger and there we're either encouraging each other or we're going like hey have you seen anything official for me still goes on email just because like we that's preferred for me kind of thing and well, email is dead just out there i mean for that's me because email generally if we look at response time right if i have a very short attention span and i want things to be done now and then we move yeah. on and i still find an email it's okay to respond within 72 hours at least in Germany, and I know many of you don't respond within a week, right? So just please <laughs> learn this thing right now. But internationally, it's still accepted to respond within an email within 72 hours. On WhatsApp, you simply know if you don't get an immediate response, that message is going to be drowned out by other things. So if you don't yeah. immediately respond, you probably won't get a response. Or maybe on like a relaxed Sunday when you go back and say, who did yeah. I not answer? So I, 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 I think I, I can get much faster interaction with WhatsApp. Yeah, I agree with you. I just have personally not tried it for business. So I, I would, everything I, would say, is... I refuse people who are not on WhatsApp and who don't do video chat. 
Oh, no, I'm I, on WhatsApp. I, I just haven't done it for business. No, I'm like, I go as far. Like, if somebody still wants to meet in person and say, listen, you have to fly to Japan to meet me. I say, we got two options. It cost me 5,000 euros to get there in the week of my life. And you can spend me, give me 10,000 euros and I come see you face to face. Or we do this via video chat or we don't work. <laughs> as simple as that. I had this, I did the same thing with printing documents. Mm -hmm. In South Africa, they're still faxing. <laughs> I don't know, believe it or not. And I, I think in Africa, there'll be faxes for the next 10 years, to be yeah. honest. Like, And if you have to, like, I don't know, anything remotely to do with the government, you have to fax things. Um, but there are so many companies, and you can do a little bit too, to like save the planet and not print like unnecessarily, not print paper. And um, people would send me, hey, would you mind like you know print the, like a photographer? They're like print this out and send it back to me. I'm like, nope. Here is a link to an e-doc thing that you yeah. send me an e-doc and I'll happily sign it. And like by doing, it's a small little bit, and like I feel that that small action then changes how the next person starts to view their business, which is more digital, and then they start to pass it on. We can start creating these ripple effects of how people start behaving and why it's dumb to print out like 10 pages and put your physical signature on it, you know? At some point also, if you do have paper, and I've just done that, just moved a lot of papers within Germany around, at some point you, you cannot be as flexible as we are. Somebody need to have an office simply and able to store all that stupid paper. And then if you want to, you know, then you have to go into commercial lease contract, which at least in Germany is like five years, right? So that really already costs you money. And then you don't just need that. Then you suddenly need a person that sits in that office because if you ever need one of those documents, you need a person who can actually find that. So all these things added on top of each other, it's like dragging you down, giving you this weight as a company. I think that should totally, should just avoid. So I've even moved a lot of our business out of Germany because Germany is also a country where you have to do a lot in like, signed papers yeah. and I moved my personal business to Latvia for example where everything is e-signed right we do everything from Singapore for the large company everything is e-signed we don't never have to do anything in printed paper because it's not just the paper then you have to store it then you have to organize it categorize it they need a secretary to take care of that then that secretary needs redundance because she might be sick and then what happens if you need that piece of paper and yeah. it just keeps costing you money and even worse it keeps distracting you from what is really, really important on your business. You don't want to be yeah. managing a secretary. Everybody's like, I'm too busy to manage my remote team. It's like, maybe you're too busy managing your remote team because you're managing a secretary that's watching your paperwork. Where do you put your priority? So you raised a really important point about systemizing. <laughs> and like going through a disruption, like we're going through right now, is will really highlight where you're not systemizing and optimizing your business in terms of like, if the secretary had to fall ill or whatever, just leave, you know, uh, would another person be able to step into that role and do exactly what that person did? My hack to do that, honestly, is to get people to write their own systems and processes, uh, to get your team to write like um, and update, keep it updated, their own job descriptions, their own systems and processes so they, they can be like someone can step into their role and make it in an empowering way, not yeah. like, you know, we can, you can disappear anytime, not like that, but like make it an empowering way. And so, and again, you can have like one person that's overseeing and making sure that it's actually done on a weekly or monthly basis or however you decided. Uh, but this time is going to show like show so many cracks in your business. And that's actually a good thing. 
it's actually good to see like where you could be systemizing more, yeah. optimizing where your inefficiencies are, where you're spending money on a secretary that's looking for paperwork, you know, and stuff like that. So it's very. And, yeah. and what do you do in cases like this? I mean, it's like I, I know so many German companies that feel highly prepared and they, they do everything by the norm. And everything asking for them, and even you know, I, I used to work for the Ministry of Economics, that has really failed the German people in that sense. Is that now I talk to a lot of companies, and they don't have even access to the office computers unless they sit in front of it. Right? We're so behind in, in building those structures; it's so outdated, and that's what makes it so easy to be attacked right now. Because if I had that experience when I was at the ministry on, on my very first month, they had to write an invoice, and there was literally just one person who had to sign that, and that person was out sick. And I knew my project was going to blow because I needed one signature. And there was no digital way of getting that signature from that person while she was out sick. Because by insurance reasons, she couldn't even have come to the office. She probably would have done that to me as a favor. But there's yeah. nothing she could do. So all of these things technically now have processes out there that you can reach anyone, anywhere. They can get anything done anywhere. They can file anything. If your country is not allowing you to do it, change your residence to a different country. Do it somewhere where everything can be digital. Yeah. I would say hire a performance coach. I think that's really something we have learned. I think we should come back. Yeah. And we should do a course together. And uh, yeah. I might take the time to translate it into German. Absolutely. And we teach you how to do this, kind of like as a trial basis, because you're going to have so much free time. You're going to be looking for crazy things to do. And why not do something crazy that might actually change your life? And maybe in the future, you can sit an amazing place like this in the background, even though it's a little bit noisy tonight, um, <laughs> and really enjoy your life much more. Two more words about your personal life as a digital nomad. How hard was it for you to kind of transition from being an office environment to be out here? Mm -hmm. And what has it done to your personal happiness overall to live the lifestyle that you're living? So first, I'm not online 24-7. And my teams know that uh, when my phone's on air, my phone's on airplane mode a lot, like definitely through the night and probably most of the morning. And so I like to create that kind of like separation. Mm -hmm. And I find that your team will treat you how you train them to treat you. And for some people, it works to be online 24-7 and they want to be that, to do that, right? And sometimes you want to transition that and be like, you know, how do I get them to like contact me unless it's like a, the house is burning kind of like emergency which yeah. is very very rare right um but like i decided a long time ago that i wanted a lifestyle where i could choose my hours and i could also choose like you know be more efficient and get lots of rest when i want to get i have an extensive like personal practice as well which allows me to then come up with all the ideas and the ways to live my life so yeah. um for me i had a business in south africa that was really like five, six years ago or so uh, that was keeping me in that one place was super stressful, was a security guarding company and we were just growing and growing. And I got to a point where I didn't want to be so tied to the business. And I decided that I had to grow a team. Otherwise, there was like no other way. Like I just yeah. had to like grow a team because I needed to be away from the business. So that was kind of my first, my first um, kind of, nomad experience was building a team that could work without me even that I, though I had a local business mm -hmm. so that was first and then when I tasted that and then I took a month in in Thailand at the time and I was like okay came back the business was still there and everything was still working there was still a few tweaks as they always are and I'd say that's fine 
Um, but then when I uh, sold that business off and then I turned into like, okay, what do I want to do? And I made two decisions. Number one, so I want to be able to work from my laptop. I love working from my laptop compared to my phone. My phone is more personal. My laptop is more work. So when I go into work mode, I it's my laptop. You know, when I'm in more personal mode, so I like to have different modes mm-hmm. more. So I don't like mix it all together. But the decision that I made for myself was that I was going to work from anywhere and earn, earn good money. Earn dollars, euros, like international cash, not Ukrainian uh, grivna or in South Indonesian African rand yes, yes. or Indonesian rupees or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so that was really important in terms of making that decision. And my mindset, because I've worked in mindsets and mindfulness and meditation all that for like 15 years or more, was that if other people are doing it, so can I, you know? And, and instead of having like a resentment for people who are living a lifestyle that you aren't, mm-hmm. rather get curious. It's like, look how amazing these opportunities are. And if that person can live from wherever and surf in the mornings, yoga in the afternoons and still work and stuff like that, then that's also possible for me. Yeah. I find, um, you know, if you shut yourself off and go like, oh, that's not fair or any kind of like limiting things that happen in our minds, then it's more likely that you're actually not going to be able to build a lifestyle like that for yourself. Yeah. And so I got very curious. I got myself some mentors and coaches and because mindset is one but the other thing is like you actually need the actual strategy right so like the strategy when it comes to like performance coaching and coaching in general is like what problem am i solving who's got this problem how big is this problem in terms of how much can i charge to solve this problem right and the bigger problem you solve the more you can charge if you solve a million dollar problem you can charge, you charge a bit more yeah yeah exactly and so um yeah, it's just been an evolution, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I used to be more like about like business and work, 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 work. And then I was like a closeted meditation and mindset person. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to when like built this business model now and I could do both like business and sales strategies and team strategies and then mindset and mindfulness and health and wellness and all different areas of our lives and you know universal principles and how we yeah. all connected and all these kind of things. And the future of work. And so um, I'm just I'm super, I have a podcast called Privileged AF. Mm-hmm. So I'm super, super privileged to be able to live in this time uh, with the opportunities and technology that we have, with the people that I meet. And I just like count my blessings all the time. But I, we work really, really hard too, you know. So it's not just like a beach holiday. Exactly. And I, I love working on things that yield a return or mm-hmm. a result. It's one thing just like working to pay the bills. And it's another thing to like work on creating something that you really believe in. And I really believe in future proofing and empowering people with skills and knowledge for the future. And that's like on the leadership side, you know, helping leaders empower their teams and themselves. And then on the other side as well, the employees and how to help them tap into their own inspiration. Yeah. Because you know, we say, we talk about self-motivated people but very few people are actually born with self-motivation. You know, it's like how to help the people find that self-motivation almost. So it's just it's so exciting and everything's changing. And But everything's always been changing. I think so too. And uh, <laughs> if you heard the one word in there, and I think you really make an incredible point there. Um, 
and and you might be nervous about about the word coach. I know in Germany there's like you know I don't need any. I'm the greatest already. Let me be truly honest with you right now. You're going to need a coach because whatever you have been doing in the last 50 years since World War II is not going to work anymore in the future. And you're yeah. not going to be competitive. The Amazons out there in the world, and they're going to be VC companies in the rest of the world. They're going to come after your business. No yeah. matter what you do, um, you know, if you're running a great restaurant, there's going to be somebody with 10% of the overhead just doing the entire business via GoJack or Grab or Deliveroo, any delivery service. Um, if you're running a doctor's office, there's a very good chance that 80% of the stuff's going to be done, done remotely in the future. Even if you're a radiologist, I think AI is already kicking your ass. So just get used to the simple fact that the way we have been living for the last 100 years of industrialization is, I think, we can now almost say it officially, coming to an end. And uh, that's not exactly a bad thing, and it might be actually rather beneficial for some people who have been living like this and preparing for this for a while, and also can show you that this is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Take yes. the opportunity, enjoy it, live your life. There's so many other amazing things you can be doing with your time that being stuck in traffic, being stuck in an overpriced, shitty apartment somewhere in the rest of the world where you probably not even experience anything around you. If you really need to go back to LA, just my two cents and uh, my humble opinion, take a week vacation in LA every three months and really enjoy the city and really love to be there. If the same about New York, don't live there, go there for a week, do some meetings, go to see some shows, eat a steak, whatever you want to do when you're in New York. You don't have to live in New York to appreciate New York. I can tell you you're going to appreciate it much, much more if yeah. you don't live there yeah. and you can have That's a different true. life. Um, if you compare this where you're from, and I'm going to go with the number first, I have reduced my cost of personal living by being in a place like Bali. And Changu is not the cheapest place in Southeast Asia. It's really on the top level of where digital nomads are, especially where we are in Changu. It's like, you know, probably in Southeast Asia, and digital nomad hub is one of the most expensive places. I have reduced my cost of living by roughly 90 to 92 percent. Right, and then living a great lifestyle, going out for dinner and everything else. That's kind of what I save by simply not being in London, Los Angeles anymore. So that reduces your pressure. You have more time, and you even have time to learn things. Yeah. Like your impressive lesson of how to manage these businesses. Yeah. And we're going to come back to you. I want to say thank you so much for all this input. It has been super exciting, super interesting. Yes. And we're going to promise you right now, we're going to come back with some kind of training, mentorship, support system in German. I know I'm, I'm really going all the way out there now. That's going to help you in the next six to eight weeks to try out how to fundamentally change the way you do your business, how you run your company. So when all this craziness of the current time is over and you go back to work, you feel rejuvenated, you feel happier, and you know that you can build a company for the future. Yeah. I saw, You're in on that, right? I am. Uh, okay. Because you're on camera now. You can't lie I, on camera. No, but I, <laughs> I saw this meme, and this meme said, like, you know, if you come out of this, and, and not to be insensitive, just yeah. putting it out there, you know, if you come out of this pandemic broke, you're doing something wrong. If your business comes out of this pandemic worse off, you're doing something wrong. You're not seeing the opportunities. You're not capitalizing and leveraging on so much that you could be doing to, like, future-proof your business and like you know position it this is a time where crappy businesses are just going to like lose like lose out and so you can let you this opportunity for you to position yourself as an amazing place for to work so you can have like amazing talent join you and just like yeah so much opportunity it's it's going to be our media right to be quite honest like yes. if you run an old school business uh, don't even blame the virus because if the virus doesn't kill you probably amazon will 
um, <laughs> in the very foreseeable yeah. future. But maybe this is an earlier wake-up call to still give you a chance to, especially if you're in secondary markets like Germany, Italy, Spain, where Amazon and the big U.S. companies don't are not have this this super strong grip on the market yet, like they would in the U.S. Um, it's still your chance to adopt and to get ahead of the curve and make changes. So go out there and change. This is your chance. You have nothing else to do. You're sitting at home. Absolutely. Thank you, Anna, so much Looking for your help. To the, Thank you. To the course. And You're going to do a great course. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Let's get started. Awesome. Good night. Thank Good night. you.